Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au With me to Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 24 to verse 27. The Bible says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great big crash. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, and we just thank you for this gathering. And we're gathering, Lord God, not around an individual or a name. We're gathering around your word. And we've come to sit at your feet. And our prayer, Lord God, is this morning that you would impart something. Teach us the truths of your word. The principles of your word that are able to transform our lives. That are able to protect us and help us to be everything that you've called us to be. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Let your anointing be present to minister today. Let your gifts be in operation even as I share. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I want to speak on the subject, building on the right foundation. Building on the right foundation. Text that we read comes from a passage of Scripture uh, known as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a passage of Scripture where Jesus speaks on a number of very practical topics. Uh, he speaks on prayer, how to pray, uh, fasting. Uh, the importance of fasting and even how to fast. You know, you can fast in the wrong way and it's just a diet or you can fast in the right way and do some damage in the spiritual realm. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Jesus talks about uh, the fasting. He's not just saying when you pray, when you fast, when you give. It's not just about if you do those things. That's what religion says. It's about how you do those things. And when you do it with the right heart and when you do it with the right motives, something happens. There's power in that. And Jesus speaks about that in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about how to treat your enemies. (laughs) He talks about anger. He talks about love. He talks about money. And the list goes on and on. Profound teaching, practical and profound teaching. And in the midst of this sermon, Jesus begins to speak about foundations. In particular, he speaks about two people, a wise man and a wise and a foolish man. Wise man and a foolish man. Jesus said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built the house on the rock. Notice it's not just about hearing. It's also about implementing. Sometimes we can hear and think that we've done it, but hearing and doing are two completely separate things. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. In this passage, uh, Jesus isn't speaking about weather conditions. 
He's speaking about life. And in life, we will all go through things that threaten to derail us. Storms that come out of nowhere. Uh, Windstorms. Did you see the windstorm the other night, the other day? Just this storm that just seemed to come out of nowhere. Circumstances that threaten to drown us. I mean, anybody ever gone through something where you can, where you feel like the water's coming up and it's coming, and it's threatening to drown you? Emotional, financial, health challenges. Jesus is saying these things will come in your life. He doesn't say they might come. Uh, he, he says they will come in your life. And what will protect us from being overcome by them is building on a solid foundation. Jesus is saying the wise person builds on the right foundation. In contrast to the wise person, Jesus says the foolish one builds on sand. And when the storms came, it fell with a great big crash. Everybody say crash. Crash Crash sounds like the word. You know what I mean? It's just a crash. Uh, Why did it fall? Because it wasn't built on the solid foundation. Listen carefully. Uh, Both houses looked great when they were built. On the outside, when you looked at both houses, they looked amazing. Everything was nice. Everything was great. Everything was shining. But the strength of the house wasn't tested in the good times. It was tested when the storms came. That's when the strength of the house was tested, when the winds blew, when the floods came. That's that's when the, the house was tested. Our lives are not tested when we're going through the good times. It's, it's those challenges that test what's really inside of us. Everybody can say, well, I'm a person of faith. Everybody can say, well, I believe in God. It's, it's when we go through those storms in life where our faith is actually tested. Raises a simple question for us as we look at this text. Simple question. And that is, how, we, how do we build on a solid foundation? Well, if if the foundation is so important as Jesus is saying, well, how can we make sure that we build on a solid foundation? Again, it may may just seem like a simple question, but I really believe that more than ever, we need to talk about the foundation that we're building on. I I, I understand the message is really simple. Jesus never never, never taught complicated things. That's that's what I love about the Word of God. That's what I love about the teaching of the Word of God. You can be a, a simple person with grade one education. You can read a text like this and understand the implications of this text. You don't have to go to theological school to go, whoa, what was Jesus saying? No, Jesus was speaking about foundations and everybody can understand the concept of foundations. The question really is, how do we build on a solid foundation? And what does a solid foundation actually look like? We're living in a time where the foundations of our faith are being eroded. Make make no, no question about this. The foundations of our faith are being eroded and threatened. Once upon a time, we knew what was right and what was wrong. We were clear about our values, our convictions. Today, we're not so sure. Our nation was clear about who we were and who we weren't. Our nation understood something about the power of God and the fear of the Lord, respecting who God is. But even that is being questioned. And now they're debating whether we should read the Lord's Prayer in Parliament and so on and so on. It's just going to be a question of time where where we may not do those things anymore. We are living in a world that's seeking to undermine the very foundations of our faith. Make no mistake about this. 
And what concerns me is not so much that those foundations are being eroded in our nation. Well, what else can we expect? We're not living in a nation that says, oh, we need to get closer to God. No, we're living in a nation that is always saying the opposite. We need to get as far away from God as possible. And, and there is, uh, and I'm not sure it's a conscious thing, conscious or unconscious, there is this attack on the church. People ask, well, you know, who's the Antichrist? You know, when is the Antichrist going to come? Uh, is it this person or that person? Is it Donald Trump? Or... <laughs> you know, we, 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 we spend so much time spinning around who the Antichrist is. How many people know the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well? We don't have a government that's saying, you know, we've got to protect the church and we've got we to lift up the church. We, we don't have people in leadership in our, in our universe, in our places of influence in our nation. We don't have people saying, well, let's support the church. We have, we have people who are seeking to undermine the church continuously. And they're intelligent. Because they understand the power of, they, even they understand the power of Scripture. That says, train up a child in the way they should go and they shall never depart from it. So where are they starting? They understand. Well, it's, it's, it's easier to change the mind and the heart of a child than it is an adult. And it's not an accident that they're in our schools. What concerns me is not so much that those foundations are being eroded in our nation. What concerns me is that the erosion is happening in the church of Jesus Christ. Where we as a church don't know anymore what's right and what's wrong. We, we don't know anymore. What, 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 what does a good foundation actually look like? I don't even know anymore. The Bible says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Where, where, are, where are we being threatened more than anywhere else? I tell you where we're being threatened more than anywhere else. It's in our thinking, in our thinking. Never underestimate the power of our thinking. Our values begin with a thought. Every good idea begins with a thought. Everything that we believe is a thought. And what the, and what the world is seeking to do is changing the way we think. And if we're not careful, we will be influenced by that. Question is, how do we build on a solid foundation? That's what I want to speak about this morning. And I want to speak about four aspects of what a solid foundation actually looks like. Everybody okay here this morning? Everybody okay? It's good. It's very quiet. It's just a few. <laughs> You're making me nervous, you know? <laughs> Smile. It's okay. We're in church. <laughs> it's safe, really. Uh, okay, so how do we build a solid foundation uh, in our lives? It's a good question. Jesus is speaking about foundations. I, I, don't, I don't want a bad foundation. Nobody builds a house and says, ah, hey, let's, go, let, let, let's, let's, let's cut some money on the foundation. No one does that. Everybody wants a solid foundation. What does that look like? Well, I've got four things. These are the four things that kind of spoke to me, and probably you've got your own list, and that's cool. But here's four that kind of spoke to me, and maybe it's a good place to start, and we could have this discussion a little bit further somewhere down the track. But building on a solid foundation means we build on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel simply means good news. 
Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Where do we start? How do we start to build a, a, a solid foundation? How do we build on a good foundation? Well, is it join a church? Is it join a religion? Is, is that what we got to do? Do we need to sign up somewhere? We, which one do we go to? Where? No, 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 no. We start by building a solid foundation by building on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's where it begins. 1 Corinthians 15.2 says, by this gospel, you are saved. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, says Paul, because it is the power of God for salvation. There's something about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank God for psychology, especially. I thank God, you know, that they can help us. There is a place for counseling and that was a joke. But anyway, uh, there, there's, there's a, there, there is a place for, I believe in counseling. I believe in psychology. I believe in all of that kind of stuff. I believe in all of that. But you know, the greatest transformation that can take place is by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are transformed at the core of our being. And we don't fully understand that in the English language, but in the Greek language, the word saved is the word sozo. Everybody say sozo. <laughs> We pronounced it wrong. Anyway, sozo has, is used many ways throughout the New Testament. It, it, it includes wholeness. It includes healing. It includes restoration. It includes freedom. It includes all the things that, that, that we need to be able to be the people that God has called us to be. By this gospel, you are made whole. By this gospel, you are healed. By this gospel, you are restored. By this gospel, you can find freedom. How do we build on a solid foundation? How, how do we build on a solid foundation? It doesn't start by becoming a member of Life Christian Center, I can assure you. It's a good start. But it doesn't start there. It doesn't start by joining a religion. It starts by opening our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever Paul went, wherever he went, he preached the gospel. Question, what is the gospel message? Well, the gospel message is really simple. First, we need to know that God loves us. He loves us. We need to know that we're not a product of some cosmic bang, that God has a purpose for our life, that our life does not end here on earth, but we will live for eternity. That's, that's where the gospel begins. The gospel begins with love. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's where it begins. The whole message of the gospel is the gospel of love. Second aspect of the gospel we need to understand is that we're sinners. We have all said and done things that displease God. It's the sin that separates us from a relationship with God. Now, I, don't know, I know we don't like to talk about sin, and I know we don't like to talk. We just got to be positive, and we just got to be. But, but, you know, I, don't see, I, don't, I didn't see Jesus doing that. Jesus spoke the truth. Can I hear an amen? I said in the Italian service, Jesus spoke the truth and the people just started to leave. And then at one point, Jesus said to his disciples, well, do you want to go too? <laughs> what Jesus needed was a marketing manager. <laughs> Someone to take care of his Facebook and all of that. Just to, you know, just to present a better image. Jesus wasn't cared about his image. What Jesus cared, was cared about was truth. And he understood there's power in truth to change and transform people's hearts. And if, we're gonna, if, we, if, if our life is going to change, we, we, we need to understand that we are all sinners. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. And what that means is simply, if we don't deal with that sin, the consequences will be eternal separation from God. What separates us from God is sin. 
And just in case you're wondering, we are all sinners. You're sitting next to one. I hate to break it. But what I'm glad is the verse doesn't finish there. It says, listen, for the wages of sin is death. But listen, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, there's different ways that we can try and deal with, with that sin. We can try and do good works. People think, man, if I just do better, if I'm just a better person, then, then, then maybe, maybe I, can, I can deal with that sin debt. Or maybe they think religion can deal with that or buying salvation. Some people think that they can buy their way into heaven. How ridiculous is that? There's only one way to deal with sin. Jesus came some 2,000 years ago and died on the cross and he took the penalty of our sin. It's just simple. It's a simple gospel. It's not a complicated gospel. We are sinners. But Jesus came some 2,000 years ago and he paid the penalty for our sin. And that's the third aspect. We need to believe that Jesus died on the cross for us. And finally, we need to confess him as our Lord and Savior. Heard a great message a few weeks ago by Alan Meyer when he spoke about this, this very subject. But, but there's power in our confession. We acknowledge there is sin in our life. And we're powerless to deal with it. We understand that Jesus came and paid the price for it. We believe it and we confess him as our Lord and Savior. It's as simple as that. Bible, it says, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. And, and what does that actually look like in practice? What, is, what does that look like in practice? It's pretty simple. It's, it's, Lord, I acknowledge that there's sin in my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that when we do that, something changes in our heart. There is a metamorphosis that takes place. There is a transformation that takes place. We turn from an ugly uh, caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. How do we build a strong foundation in our lives? It begins with the gospel. It begins by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's where it begins. That, that's where the foundation begins. It's pretty simple, I know. Some of you go, oh, Pastor Joe, it's simple. But it's simple, but it's profound. And we're forgetting that. So, so we're, we're thinking that, that the foundation starts by church. Well, if I go to church, then my foundation is set. Or religion, well, well if, I go, if I go to this church, then, then my foundation. No, our foundation is not set by religion. Our foundation is based on Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Apostle Paul, wherever he went, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Powerful example of this in the book of, um, in the book of Acts. Um, Peter is uh, sent one day to the home of Cornelius. Uh, listen, listen to how Cornelius is described in the Bible. He was devout, he was God-fearing, he gave generously, and he prayed to God regularly. That's not a bad guy, is it? Come on, that's, that's pretty good. God speaks to him one time as he's praying, and he says, go and send for Peter. And why did he need to send for Peter? He will bring you a message through which you and all your household shall be saved. Well, Pastor Joe, sorry, but isn't God fearing, giving generously, praying? Isn't that enough? Obviously, it was not enough. Otherwise, God would not have said to Cornelius, go and send for Peter. He's going to bring you a message that's going to save you. What was the message? The message was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter says that everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Acts chapter 10 verse 43. Church, there's no greater foundation than to build on Jesus Christ. 
And if you've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do that because that's where the spiritual journey begins. It's love God. Grow together, serve others. It's love God. We begin by giving our life to Jesus Christ. How do we build a solid foundation? We build a solid foundation on a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said this, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe there was a day somewhere back when uh, where you did c- c- consecrate your life to, to Jesus, but you've, you've wandered ever since. Well, w- what a good morning to start to wander back. What, what, what a good morning to, 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 to turn, which is what repentance is. I'm pointing in this direction, and I repent, and I point towards Jesus Christ. What a great morning to do that. Second aspect of building a solid foundation is intimacy with God. After coming to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, the next thing we need to do is develop our relationship with God. So many people come to Christ but never cultivate their relationship with God. I want to tell you, if we want to develop a solid foundation, we we need to spend time with God. We need to learn to hear His voice, feel His presence, enjoy spending time with God. Biggest difference between religion and Christianity is pretty simple. Religion is about what you do. Or if you do these things, God will love you. That's religion. Christianity is completely different. Christianity is about a relationship, and it's because God loves me I do these things. And it's completely different. Now, most of us know that. Most of us know that's true. Most of us know Christianity is about a relationship. Religion is about works. We know that. We know the difference between the two. But how many of us are cultivating a relationship with God? When we first come to God, when we first become aware of God, uh, there's this purity about our relationship with God. There's, There's nothing greater than to see someone who first comes into an awareness of God. Their relationship with God is pure. It's beautiful. They pray and they seek God and, and, and there's just desire to spend time with God. They can't wait to come to church and, and hear another message and sing the songs. Some of you remember the first time you gave your life to Christ. It's just the purity about it. It's beautiful. And as we grow, then we start, to, we start to change a little bit. Our relationship with God starts to change. We, are, we start to you know, ask him to help us with this and bless our family, help us to find a spouse and all that. And all that, it's all good. We start, to, we start to get a list for God, you know. Initially, it's about just wanting to spend time with God. Then, then, then we start to get our list together. Well, actually, I need this. I need to upgrade my car, my house. You know, it's, it's, we start to get our lists of things that we want. Nothing wrong with that. God, the Bible says, bring your list before God. It's part of the growth process. But as we grow in our relationship with God, something starts to shift. Where we no longer come to him because we need something. It's we come to him because we just want to spend time in his presence. You look at the Psalms of David and you'll see his heart for the presence of God. It's beautiful. We first come to God, oh, I love you, God. I will serve you forever. And then and as we grow, we, our, our relationship starts, well, let me see what I can get out of you. Bless me, bless me, bless, bless. I need this, I need that, which is okay. But if we continue to grow with God, something begins to shift and we go back to just enjoying the presence of God. You look at, you look at Psalm, Psalm, the Psalmist David, Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. 
I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips shall glorify you. Earnestly, I seek you. David isn't saying, I I seek you because of what I need from you. I don't care about that. What, What I want is you. If we want to build a solid foundation, we need to build on, a, on, a, on our relationship with God, on developing our intimacy with God. Psalm 42 is a dear pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When, when can I just, I just want to go and meet with God. Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out to the living God. You know, as you read these Psalms, you get an understanding that David wasn't just going into the presence of God for what he could get out of that relationship. God, David was going into the presence. He just loved spending time with God. You want to build on a solid foundation, build on a relationship with God that is growing deeper and deeper. David had sinned and we know the story and he's asking God to forgive him in Psalm 51. Look what he says. He says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit away from me. Notice notice David doesn't say, "Uh, God, can you please not take away my position as king? Can you please uh, not take away all my uh, uh, wealth that I have as a king? He doesn't say any of that. Do not cast me from your presence. David, in a sense, take all of that, but, but just, just don't, don't, don't take me away from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Go to the, go to the New Testament and, and you'll see the Apostle Paul. He's, you know, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of just knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. But there it is again. It's Paul. He's getting to the end of his life and, and he's saying, the one thing I want more than, I just want to know him. Question, what's, what's your relationship with God like? So you, you, what is your relationship with God like? I, I just want to encourage you. I, I don't know how to do this. I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how, how, how much to do this. But, but the greatest thing that we can do is develop intimacy with God, develop our relationship with God. So he's not just some person that is way out there, but he's someone that we know as a person. How do we do that? Like any relationship, just need to spend time with God. It's simple. It's prayer. It's reading the word, coming to church. It's doing the hard yards like every every other relationship that we have. There's there's no shortcuts to building a deep relationship. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You you, you can't get the instant relationship. You know, put one scoop. Oh, we've got an instant relationship. It takes work. It takes work. It takes time. It takes effort. Like everything good in life, it, there's, there's always, there's, it takes a lot of work. I talked about this a few weeks ago. Everything easy usually has no worth, but the things that have worth always, always take time and energy and effort. Can I hear an amen? amen. Told you before, you know, I, not much of a gardener, but I've got a little bit of, you know, it's just a bit of a thing, you know. And growing some fruit trees. It's, it's thing that, it's, how do you know you're getting old? You plant fruit trees. That's, that's how you know. You just you start to... <laughs> I say, if it doesn't bear fruit, cut it down. And I've heard that somewhere before. Uh, where did I hear that before? Oh, I was my dad. That's right. Anyway, it's another story. Uh, 
But you, you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying. You plant a fruit tree, unless you pass a Joseph. You plant a fruit tree, you know, it, it's effort and energy. And, rah, rah, rah. and then you've got those weeds that grow in between the pavers. And, you know, you spray them every week and they keep popping up. <laughs> and they pop up somewhere else. You know, they're like one of those things. You pop up and they pop up there. And I say, how do they do that? How do they do that? Everything worthwhile requires time and energy. Our relationship with God takes time and effort and energy. It says, you know what? I think this is really important. And I'm going to put 10 minutes aside. And I'm going to spend time with God. Can I tell you, church, there's nothing greater than doing it. You want to build on a solid foundation. You want to build on a solid foundation. You want to have a foundation that's going to withstand the storms and the winds of life. Build it on a relationship with God. Because the greatest thing that we can do when we go in a storm is to go into the presence of God. And if we cultivated our time with God, we say, God, what's going on? We say, Lord, what do I do? And and if we've taken the time to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, if we've taken the time to tune our ears into hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, when we're in that place, the Holy Spirit will say, stand and do nothing. And as we listen to the voice and obey that voice, God will see us through whatever we're going through. But if we haven't taken the time to develop our relationship with God, then, then, then we, we, we start to fret. It gets us even in further mess. Sometimes what deepens our relationship with God is the trials and challenges. God uses a trial to bring us into the presence so that, of God so that we can cry out to Him. And as we do, something changes in us. Great example in Job. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's, there's so much depth in there. My, my, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. It's a song written by Cody Keynes called Nothing Else. Um, it's the latest, latest, latest song. Listen, listen to these words. When I, when I heard this song, it just blessed me. Because you, you know when someone's understood this principle... Yeah, we, we all say, oh, you've got to develop your relationship with God, I understand. But you know when someone's really understood this. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. Isn't that powerful? How do we build a solid foundation? Build on a relationship with God. Third aspect of a strong foundation is the Word of God. Jesus said in the text, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built this house on the rock. What does it mean to build on the, on, on the rock? It means to build on Jesus' words. The foundation of his word. One of the things we will all experience in life is storms and health storms and emotional storms. What helps us through is the word of God. We can build our life on many kinds of foundation, on our our opinion, others' views, the culture. We can build on the word of God. And I want to encourage you to build your life 
on the Word of God. Listen to the Word, read the Word, study the Word, meditate the Word, confess the Word, apply the Word. That's why what happened last week is is powerful because we're diving into the Word. And as we dive into the Word, we learn principles that guide us in our life. Hebrews says, for the Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Bible talks to me about stuff in my life. The Bible is comforting. It guides me, protects me, tells me things about me. Not even I know about myself. Tells me how we should live. It helps us in the trials of life. And when we put our faith in his word, it has the capacity to set us free. But here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. We no longer believe the, the Bible is the Word of God. There's, there's, a, there's a very subtle shift that's happening in the church community where we no longer believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe the Bible contains the Word of God. And because we don't know how to study the Bible, understand the Bible, or how to interpret the Bible, we, we create our own versions of the Bible. We become like these little mini theologians. So we're reading a passage of scripture and we say, well, you know, this one, this, this one doesn't really apply to us. This is, this is for Bible times. Things, things have changed. You know, no one can be expected to do that, really. You understand? And, and there are some places where that's, that's the correct interpretation. But, but because we don't understand scripture, we, we, then, we then pull it out of context and we create our own version of the Bible. We pick and choose what we want to apply in our lives. You know, whenever you build a house, you, you get the design, you decide how you want it to look, you get the plans, the room sizes, etc. If you've ever built a house, you know how stressful that is, you know. It's all, is the room big enough? No, it has to be bigger, smaller. You know, what's going to go where and all the rest of it. Uh, but once you've got through that process, before any building happens, you need to get an engineer's report for the foundations. Um, can you imagine a builder who gets the report from the engineer and, 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 the, and the builder says, oh, these engineers today, <laughs> you know, they're out of touch with reality. You know what I mean? They're just in it for the money. Um, you know, they said that we need to put double mesh, but you know what? That doesn't apply to us today. These weather the conditions are different here. We're only going to put one mesh. They've requested, you know, 15 millimetre rods, but you know, that's, over the, that's an overkill. They're going to put five millimetre rods. This was for buildings that were built years ago. Builder comes up with his own ideas. Would you use that kind of a builder? What would you say about that kind of a builder? Shonky. Shonky. Yet how many times do we cut corners with the word of God? We become little mini theologians and, 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 you know, so we start reading a text in the Bible and we go, oh, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Oh, how, how do you feel about that? I don't know about you. That, that's a little bit too hard for me. So, you know what I'm going to do? Just going to throw that one away. Oh, there's this other section in here, lying. Anybody, you got a text? Can I write a text, please? Se- se- section in there on lying, is there? 
Don't lie. You know what? There's different lies. You see, back in Bible times, there was only one kind. They were the black ones. Now we've got different colors. You see, we've got a whole palette now. We've got white lies. We've got gray lies. We've got black ones. So really, really, you need to understand the Greek and the Hebrew. So we just get our text and we go, let's just get rid of that one there, like that there. Better. We don't even have to read it. You know, we can be reading our devotions and just skip that whole section on, 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 on lying, you know. And then, and then there's that other one there. Oh, there's a few other ones. Here. Oh, um, sleeping with someone outside of marriage. Oh, that's a bit outdated, you know. And you don't really have the conditions here anyway. You know what you need to do with those? Is just get a pair of scissors and just cut. Anybody got some scissors? Some scissors. I need some scissors. Just, some scissors. Just grab me some scissors. Hurry up, Tim. And do as you're told, for goodness sake. <laughs> so, you know, we get those sections. You know, that's really for, that's really for people that are just... You know, not in a committed relationship. But if you're in a committed relationship, then that doesn't apply. So let's just get some scissors right now. Let's get this section out here. Cut it out properly. You want to make sure every single word is cut out properly. You know what? It might be just easier if we just get rid of this whole page. Because sometimes, you know, Jesus starts to refer back to it again later on. You know how he does that. Starts off with a discussion and you think it's over and then it hits you again. So just get rid of the whole page. It's better. How are you feeling right now? <laughs> when we cut corners like that, don't be surprised when the storm comes that we don't make it through. Jesus says these wise builders build on the foundation of his word. They hear it and they do it. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Message translations, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are nothing but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. How often do we deceive ourselves because, well, I was in church and I, please, it's good to be in church and I heard the word. That, that's, that's not where the power of the word is. It's the beginning of the power of the word. It's we hear the word and when we act on the word, power is released. Should have stayed home this morning. <laughs> Slept in for another hour. One final aspect, and I've got to wrap it up here. Strong foundation is the church of Jesus Christ. We want to build a life on a strong foundation that we need to be planted in the house of God. Uh, by the way, this is a novel, all right? In case some of you are going, oh my God, what has he done? What kind of a church is this? He's ripping up the Bible from the pulpit. That's uh, just... I can feel you going sweating, some of you, you know? Never underestimate the power of being planted in the local church. Psalm, Psalm has said this, Psalm 27, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Listen, for in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling and He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Want to build a life that's not shaken when trouble comes? We need to love the house of God. David understood something about the, 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 the house of God. David understood something about how powerful the, the house of God is. He says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. It's protection in the house of God. 
It's where we experience the presence of God. It's where our gifts are developed. It's where we're taught the Word of God and we're protected from every wind of doctrine. It's where we're encouraged in difficult times, where we receive counsel and advice. It's where we do things that could, we can never do on our own. We're supporting missionaries all over the world because together we're doing that. There's a saying that says it takes a village to raise a child. That village ought to be the church of Jesus Christ. Want to build a life that's not shaken when trouble comes? One of the things we need to do is love the house of God. I wonder how important is the house of God to you? David said, one thing I will do. One one thing I ask of the Lord. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I've noticed with so many of us, it's become the second thing and the third thing. It's so easy. It's so easy to become the second thing and the third thing and the fourth. It's so easy to say, well, I'm just going to miss this week and then, and, then, and then it's next week and then it's the other week. David said, one thing I do. David understood the power of the house of God. One of the great pieces of architecture started to be built in 1773. Five years later, Build up to the third floor and notice that the piece of architecture was sinking. Took over 177 years to finish building it, plenty of maintenance work ever since to make sure that it doesn't topple over. I'm speaking about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Mm, Everybody go, mmm. There's actually... Well, there's two or three reasons why it, it started to sink. First one is because the engineers were Italian. <laughs> they should have got the engineers that built the Colosseum, for goodness sake. I mean, that's still up and running. Only joking, they're pretty good. Two, two reasons why it started to sink. Thin foundation, unstable soil. Je- Jesus is on the side of a hill some 2,000 years ago. He's speaking to a group of people not unlike this. And he ends up speaking about foundations. Man builds on a solid rock, winds came, did well. Someone built on a bad foundation, fell over. How do we build on a strong foundation? Build on a strong foundation by building on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we are Christians. We are followers of Jesus Christ. I can be in any country of the world. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I can be in any place in the world. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ cultivating our relationship with God by building on the Word of God and by understanding the power of the church. I'm sure there are other ways, but these are a good start. We can either build on a good foundation or spend the rest of our lives trying to correct the consequences of a shallow foundation, repairing it continuously. I wonder how strong is your foundation You know, when a foundation is not good on a building, you know what they do? They underpin it. They come in, the engineers come in, and they go, all right, we just got to get to the bottom of this thing. And that's what they did with the Leading Tower of Pisa. They they dug deeper, and they built a solid foundation under that. How how do we build a solid foundation? Well, it starts today. It's pretty simple. It starts today. It starts by surrendering our life to Jesus, building on His Word, loving the church of Jesus Loving the church of Jesus Christ. No, church is important. No, 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 no one gets up on a Monday and goes, shall I go to work today or not? You know, and yet on Sunday morning, we go, well, we'll see how, how are you feeling? No, I'm not feeling good today. Okay. This church is church because we understand. It, it, it forms the foundation of our life. 
I'm going to be there because it's important. And here and amen. We stand.